Hi, this is Wilson from Renew Church OC. Thanks for joining our podcast. After the pandemic, it's been easy to do Chipotle Church, where we get to choose how much church we want every week. Maybe I'll stay home this Sunday. I feel like opening my Bible today, but not tomorrow. I'll go to small group and not Sundays. Our City Monk series challenges this construct of church and pushes us to reorder our life around Jesus and the Sabbath. It's a call to live in contrast to a city that is busy and burnt out. Instead, we live unhurried lives, wrapping our daily and weekly schedule around being with Jesus. I hope you get a chance to check out our church on Sunday in Fullerton, California at 10 a.m. I hope you enjoy the series. All right, it's, it's always hard to switch gears, um, but yeah, we want to be able to embrace the hard things and also talk about weight loss. And so I went to the doctors a few months ago, and basically I'm obese, according to my BMI. I told her I'm carrying a lot of muscle, but I'm not sure if she believed me. Um, she told me basically I have to lose like 20 to 30 pounds, which is quite a bit. Um, also, I have arthritis in my knees, so she wants me a little bit on the thinner side. So I know you guys are all inspecting my gut. It's, there is something here. It's not a six-pack. It's more of a value pack. But, you know, we're going to help me today. If you were my personal trainer, how would you, uh, what advice would you give me about dropping 25 pounds and, and to keep, keep it off? Okay, that's going to be our discussion question today. It has nothing to do with sermon. I just need some health advice. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, but we'd, we'd love for you to break off into groups of twos or threes, talk about uh, Wilson's weight loss plan. All right, and I'll come back up and I'll field some answers from you guys. Right, check, check, check. Welcome back. <clears throat> Welcome back. Okay. So um, can you guys just go ahead and throw out some advice for me on how to drop weight? Uh, anyone have, have some advice? What have you tried? Huh? Go ahead. What would you say? Cut a leg off. Oh, that's how you drop 20 pounds? Man, I feel like I have no legs sometimes. Anyone else? Workout starts in the kitchen. That's great advice. Yeah. So how I prepare my move, meal every day, how much calories I take in, the type of calories is a big deal. Anyone else? What was that? I heard stairs. Stairs? Climb stairs instead of elevators? So working out and trying to integrate some type of activity into how I, like, Commute, right? How I just walk, deciding to take the stairs instead of elevators. Anyone else? Caloric deficit. Okay. So like intermittent fasting, something like that. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. That's great. So I love intermittent fasting. I break it a lot, but I still love it. Anything else? Yeah? Walking instead of driving. It's hard to do that in L.A., but um, it's a good idea. Maybe I could park a little further. I live actually really close to here. I still drive. Um, anything else? Last one? Sweets? Sleep. Yeah, sleeping properly, right? And then maybe, uh, as um, Jason was saying, exercise. So what if I told you that I didn't want to do any of those things? So I don't want to change the way I eat. I don't want to exercise more. I don't want to um, change my diet, right? All I want to do is to show up to my personal trainer and say, you have an hour a week 
for me to drop 30 pounds and to keep it off. Is that possible? Kyle's shaking his head. And then if you can't get me to, to do it, I will change a personal trainer. I will find someone else. I'll pay more in order for, for, for me to be able to drop 30 pounds off of one hour a week. It's not possible, right? All the, all the suggestions you gave me are lifestyle changes. All the suggestions you gave me are changing the rhythm in how I do something. We can't drop 30 pounds an hour a week. We can't be fit if we're not willing to take a hard look at our life and to say, what are the things I need to cut out? And how do I do that? Not once a month, not every week, but every single day. When I think about our spiritual life, it's kind of the same thing. You know, it's really easy to be upset that we're not growing, to feel stuck, to feel like we're not able to be closer to Jesus and, and ask, why isn't this hour a week on Sunday doing it? Why isn't my pastor helping me grow? I give him every, most Sundays, right? I'm going to most small groups, but I'm not growing. But it's not about a slot on a calendar. We can't grow just by coming to church on Sundays. It's a whole shift in our lifestyle. It's a whole refocus of how we live and the rhythms that we build out. I'm, I'm only a personal trainer, right? I can... A good personal trainer will show you how to exercise, but he's trying to get you to do it four or five times a week. He'll give you a meal plan, but he can't feed you for an hour and, ex and then you expect to eat everything else, or I expect to eat everything the same way and still lose weight. He's helping you reshape and recenter your life. When I think about our series on city monks, that's what we're hoping for. We're hoping that you would think of yourselves as monks, reordering your life around Jesus. Reordering the way that you prioritize your life, the way that you schedule your life to say the rhythms of me being with Jesus, of me centering my life around him is the most important thing I do every single day and every single week. And everything else falls under that. That's what a monk does when he enters a monastery. Monastery, he makes a vow to reorder his life around Jesus. Is our life reordered around God? Or are we expecting to grow spiritually by just giving an hour a week to him? The second uh, picture is the monastery. So there's the monk and the monastery. The monastery is a reordering of our life around Sabbath and community. If I'm a monk joining a monastery... I don't get to pick how many prayer meetings I go to. I don't get to define my schedule. There's rhythm built into the monastery that I'm, I'm joining as a part of their community. And God has built rhythms for the community of his people. He built out the Sabbath from creation. And for 30 centuries, Jews observed the Sabbath not as individuals but as a community. They would stop their week to rest in God together. You know, I just think about after pandemic and maybe American church as in general, it's kind of like Chipotle church. We just get as much church as we want every week, right? I, I want extra carne asada, a little bit of corn, not too much cheese. And that's how we approach church. We create the church we want. And I'm hoping that as I invite you into this community, into 
this new way of life, that we would draw more definitions around what it means to be a part of the community, biblical definitions. And thirdly, we're thinking about the city as we think about city monks, that we are different from the city. We're unhurried instead of busy. We're not burnt out like the city is. We are refreshed and we serve out of rest. Uh, we're not scurrying around in a hundred different directions. We're focused and we walk intentionally. And it's in those differences that we make an impact in where we live, where we play, where we work. It's in those differences that we walk into the marginalized of the city to be light. It's in those differences that we look at cities around the world that are unreached and ask how we can reach them with the gospel. Today as we continue our series on the monk, um, our second of, two, of three, we're going to look at John chapter 15, 1 through 4. A very beloved passage. It says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you can bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you do not remain in, in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Some such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, whatever you wish, it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. So here we see three movements, and each movement is circular and repeats a lot of the information prior. And then we see this metaphor of a vine and branches. And so I want to just draw and define some of uh, this for us as before we move forward. And also speak specifically about remaining. Okay, so Jesus is the vine. And we are connected to him as the branches. And then there's the fruit. And this is the good work that we do out of love. Oops, O-R-K. Uh, all right. And then he speaks about uh, this gardener, Jesus. Oh, man. Okay, we're going to do it. All right, gardener who prunes uh, the vine and the branches in order for us to bear more fruit. 
Now, I just want to speak to the focal point of this passage, which is this concept of remaining. That we have to connect to the vine in order to have life and to bear fruit. The word remain comes up 11 times. I was trying to point that out to you as we read through the passage. And it's an active imperative, meaning that it's a command for us to follow. But, and we have, we're not passive in this command. That we have to participate in remaining in the vine. Jesus is also participating in remaining in us. We know that his love for us never fails. It's unconditional. It doesn't change. He's always reaching out to connect with us. To be a part of our life. To love us. But as you know in your life and I know in my life, my love for Jesus does change. Doesn't it? His love for me doesn't change, but my love for him changes. It can grow or become disconnected. It could be vibrant and thrive, or it could start to wither and die. And so what does it look like to remain in Jesus? Because everything else comes out of that point. That if we remain, we bear fruit. Through that fruit-bearing process, there's a pruning process. But still, the idea of pruning as we remain in him, is so that we can bear much fruit. That we can do good out of love. But also, we, this passage speaks of being disconnected with Jesus. To being cut off. And as we look at, think about plants, it's impossible to believe that a branch can bear fruit on its own. That a branch can even survive on its own. Branches have to be connected to the vine. But how connected to God are we? How dependent are we? How much of it is, is just a time slot? Think about a branch being like, I'm going to plug in at 10 a.m. on Sundays. I'm going to plug in just for small groups. No, a branch is consistently plugging in to the, to the vine in order to have life and sustain it. What does that look like for us to remain in Jesus, not as a time slot, but in a continual way? So we're going to move through three concepts. This is totally an overview. I wish I had four weeks to talk about this. But like Pastor Dave, I don't have enough time or else I would talk for 15 hours on how much information I have on this passage. I'm just kidding. Okay, what does it mean to remain? So we're going to talk about remaining, we're going to talk about pruning, and we're talking about bearing fruit. So the first idea is what does it mean to remain? And in verse 9, it defines what remaining looks like. It says, now remain in my love. That being connected with Jesus is being in love with him. And that we are to center our lives around a loving relationship with Jesus and not religious tasks. And I know we kind of know that, but are we stepping into service that way? Are we stepping into worship that way? Where we're here to worship Jesus because we want to fall in love with him. Are we stepping into the word because we want to engage in relationship and hear his word. Are we stepping into prayer, asking God to speak to us as we speak to him because we want to love him more? Because it's easy just to check boxes, isn't it? It's easy to put our head down and do the things that we've always done. I think about raising my two boys and the things we have to do to just kind of keep them alive. Like feed them, water them. Bathe them most days, you know. Uh, there's just a task list of things to do. 
My, my wife does a lot of the heavy lifting, but I'm a pretty good sidekick most days. I get involved taking them to school. And if you're a parent, you know that sometimes it's easy just to do the things we're supposed to do. You're just kind of moving uh, through the motion of the day. And we can disconnect relationally to get him to school. I, there's times where I'm literally picking up Levi, he's, he's fighting me, and I'm stuffing him into his car seat in order to get him to school that day, right? We're just trying to, we're just trying to survive. But you can't engage emotionally unless you slow down. You can't love them through the day until you slow down and say, I'm here. Every task I do for you, I want you to know I'm doing it because I love you. Right? I'm making eye contact as they eat cereal. I'm singing a song as they're drinking milk. Or dancing to Encanto for the hundredth time in the kitchen. Or when I'm driving him to school, I put my arm behind me and I just hold his leg. Hey, Liam, I want you to know I love you. I pin him to the, to the bed and I just kiss him a hundred times, you know. And I'm like, Liam, when you talk to your therapist about me, tell him I kiss you too much. That's what I want you to complain about. I've been a parent who goes through tasks. I've been a Christian that's just checking boxes. But the best of us is when we move into each space saying, I want to engage in relationship with you. I don't want you to be a slot in my schedule. Right? I want you to be a part of my life. I want to step into this loving you. How, are we stepping into church this morning to love Jesus? Or are we just going through the motions? I also think about me and Nina. Like if my relationship with Nina was how I related to Jesus, would I have a good relationship with her? Like if every meal my conversation with her is, Nina, thank you for making the food, amen. I say that three times a day to her. And that's, our, that's the entirety of our conversation every day. Nina, thank you so much for making the food. Amen. You know, that's all we say. That's all we say to each other. Nina, thank you for making the food. Amen. Right? And that's every single day. That's all I say to her. Would we have a strong relationship? If every week I just have a slot that I need to fulfill in order to feel like I'm being a good husband, is that, is that, is that good enough? Our relationship would wither and die. I hope, that, I hope that I can treat Jesus the way and greater than I treat my wife. I have a mentor. He was telling me about how, um, you know, we were in a, a little accountability group. And he's like, hey, I want to spend more effort loving my wife this Valentine's Day. I don't want it just to be like a task I do. And we're like, what did you do before? He said, every Valentine's birthday anniversary, I would give her a... Victoria's Secret lotion, like, you know, like different, different uh, fruits that you would smell from high school. Remember how you bought those lotions? And one day he went to Victoria's Secret and they had a massive sale. It was only two bucks a pop. So he brought like 45 of them, put them into a duffel bag and hid it in his closet. It was like the easiest Valentine's gift ever, right? Would just be pulling out this bottle of lotion and be like, happy Valentine's Day, babe. She's super low maintenance, she, he, he says. And um, one day, she was going through the closet, and she found, she found all of the Victoria's Secret bottles that he saved for the next 10 years of uh, special occasions. So anyways, we're in the accountability group, and he's like, 
I need to think of something else. You know, like, <laughs> all my plans are ruined for 10 years. I wonder, I wonder if um, how we're relating to God, is it, is it just like a routine? Is it just a religion? Or are we trying to nurture a relationship? Think about the relationships that you've, you've nurtured in your life. Think about the people that you're most connected to. Think about the friends where you're trying to elongate your time over coffee because you just love sitting in, your, in their presence. Think about how you fell in love and how you were like intoxicated by this person and you, and you wanted to see them every single day. But that would be creepy, so you just ask her out every other day. Think about the people that you're always thoughtful of, that you're texting in, that you're sharing moments with, that you're saying, hey, did you know this, or did you see that, or I'm doing this today. How can we cultivate that type of relationship with Jesus, where we're thinking of him, and where we see every spiritual rhythm as an opportunity to love him? Where, we, where we're stepping into every space, inviting him in to our work, to the times where we're caring for people in our family, to our friendship and our hobby, saying, Jesus, come with me in all of these things. And the last thing I look at is from um, this, the end of the passage here, where he talks about remaining in me is about keeping my commandments. Just as I have kept my father's commandments, uh, let's see. If you keep my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and remained in his love. When we think about the commandments of God, are we thinking about it as just like rules and regulations? Like I became a Christian, so I can't do all of these different things. I, I entered this religion, so I have to do these things. Or do we see it as interconnected to how we love Jesus? Our, all of our relationships have rules. After I dated Nina and married her, there's the way that I interacted with women are just different. We didn't necessarily have the set ground rules for that, but I wanted to respect and connect with my wife. I wanted to respect my relationship with her. So there's rules in the way that I interact with other women. And I, I do that because I love Nina. And I don't want to violate trust. I don't want to be distant from her. I think about my best friend. He, he's a little bit of a clean freak, compared to me at least. And so uh, we had all this food in the kitchen, and I'm carrying food, eating it in the kitchen, eating it as I'm walking to his living room, eating it on the couch, right? So there's, a, there's crumbs everywhere. And the next time we all hung out as a group, he made a public announcement. Hey, if you're going to eat food, please stay in the kitchen. My couch kind of expensive. And everyone looked at me. And I was like, I'm sorry. But if I'm a good friend to him, I keep that rule, right? I keep that rule because I care about our relationship because I want to be invited over. When we think about the commandments we keep in our, in our faith, are each of them connected to loving Jesus and being with him? Are we keeping these commands? Are we abiding by these ethics because we love God? Or is it just another rule? I hope that every time we obey God, it's an act of love. All right, second piece, pruning to bear more fruit. There's a lot of different types of pruning. 
Um, people who tend to vines, they, they, take, they remove suckers. It's kind of in the trunk of the vine in order for the rest of the plant, especially the branches, to get nourished. They pinch in order to remove the top part of the vine so that it's not growing too rapidly. Topping is removing two or one to two feet of growth to prevent the loss of the shoot. And thinning are thinning clusters of grapes for better quality. And when we think about pruning, it's extremely painful. You have a knife and you're gently but in some ways severely cutting at the vine, at the branches, or at the fruit. And we don't embrace pruning in our lives, do we? We don't want to lose anything. Loss is difficult. But pruning and suffering is a part of every person's life, including Christians. But, but the difference for Christians is that when God prunes us, he does it with purpose. So what does pruning look like? It could be small, like removing distractions, trimming our ministry, our work so that it's sustainable, closing doors. But it could also be these severe cuts of a loss of relationship, a loss of ability, a loss of a job or influence. I think about Paul when his life and ministry is being pruned. He's thrown into prison, awaiting a trial. And you just think about the first century church has how the most prominent leader is taken off the chessboard. He can't plant churches anymore. He can't disciple more Timothys. Uh, he can't uh, help bridge the relationship between the Gentile churches and the Jewish churches. But what does he do in prison? He writes some of the most beloved epistles in the Bible. He writes Philippians. He writes Ephesians. And out of this life of pruning, when all these other things are taken away, he does his most important work. Work and fruit that has stayed throughout the centuries. We still hold those books in our hands. I think about Joseph spending, spending 13 years in prison. David hiding and sleeping in caves from Saul. Or Moses tending sheep after being kicked out of a palace. All of these things are taken away from him. Each one of them has gone through, through deep loss and cuts like Job. But what happens when the pruning season is severe? What happens when you look at a vine and all you see are the vine and branches and nothing else? You, you understand, you develop character and you develop your relationship with God. Undistracted, in a focused way. Because it's just the vine and the branch. You understand that God's hand is the closest when he's pruning our lives. And that kings and queens are made in the desert. That this is where... This is in this sharp pruning of these biblical heroes come a fruitful life filled with character and humility, filled with leadership that serves others. Have we learned to embrace the, the pruning scissors because the hands that hold it is a God who loves us? We can fight the seasons of pruning in our life or we can retreat back into a focused relationship with the vine and to say truly, Jesus, you're enough for me. We never know if Jesus is enough until we've gone through a season of pruning. Lastly, we look at fruit. What does it mean to bear fruit? 
we think about fruit as an unintentional byproduct, right? When you look at, when you look at the, the vine, here, let me scroll back a little bit. When you look at the vine, we're, we're so fixated on the fruit. It's all about the fruit. That's what we Instagram. That's what we put on our resume. That's what other people know us about. When you look at, when you go to a vineyard, you're like, look at those lush grapes, right? Those are so juicy. I can't wait to taste the wine. It's so amazing. No one's fixated on remaining, right? No one's like, hey, look at how well attached that vine is to the branch. No one's saying that. But in this passage, we realize that the fruit is a byproduct of remaining. That the focus is on remaining and fruit comes out of that effortlessly, almost involuntarily. That as God changes us, as we learn to rely on him, as we draw from his love, we're able to love others and extend that to the people around us. As we feel his mercy and grace wash over our lives, we see someone in pain and we extend mercy and grace to them. But there's also this clear teaching on what it means to have no fruit. You see, fruit doesn't give life to the branch. But it's evidence that the branch has life. It's evidence that the branch is connected to the vine. So to have no fruit means that the branch was never connected to the vine. This is Jesus' sharp warning to the Pharisees. You see, they understood that this grapevine is emblematic of Israel. That Israel is divine, described as a, as a vine and a vineyard many times in the Old Testament. And they thought they were connected to the vine because they were descendants of Abraham, because they were keeping the law, because they were doing all of these religious acts and rituals. And Jesus says, you're not connected because you're not connected to me. And your fruit, it's fake. It's like you grabbed an orange and taped it on your arm. It's not out of life. The fruit you're bearing, it's, it's filled with bitterness. It's filled with pride. It's filled with yourself. It's filled with you wanting other people's eyes. The fruit that I bear is love, loving and humble. It's washing feet. It's in the closet. And it allows you to love me and the others more. That's how it's defined here, bearing fruit. It says that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Whatever you ask for in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. So abiding, remaining in Jesus is that first command of loving God. Bearing fruit centers itself in the second command of loving one another. And then he also repeats this very familiar phrase as you hear the circular development of this passage. Ask whatever you wish for and it will be given to you. That as you're connected with Jesus, you can do powerful ministry out of who you are, out of the spirit. Jesus' life is to model for us the life of a Christian empowered by the spirit. I don't believe he was exercising his divinity when he was doing miracles. Instead, he says, I do what I see my father doing. He sees a man who's blind and he heals him, not out of his own power, but out of the power of the spirit. Right? He gives words of knowledge and prophecy out of the spirit to show us what a, what a person's 
life can look like empowered by the Spirit. What Jesus does is never unique to him. Other men have done the same by the power of the Spirit. Jesus raises the dead, but Elijah does as well. Jesus multiplies food, but Moses asks God for manna from heaven. Jesus calms the storm, but other prophets have called fire from heaven. He's showing us what it looks like to live a life empowered by the Spirit. If we're willing to stop every day to commune with God, the way that will move into our families will be different. We won't do it as zombies. We'll do it, we'll speak life to our wife, to our children. We'll speak destiny over them. Like we'll hear God's voice over our kids. We'll be able to look at a friend and instead of just being caught in shallow conversation, we'll be able to encourage them in a way that they'll remember for years. In a way that will pull them out of depression. In a way that will deliver them from sin. That as we connect to Jesus, we can do powerful ministry in our lives. But it's all about remaining. So let me close by giving you um, a few tips. First, that the fruit will come as we keep remaining in God. You know, I remember this morning I weighed myself. And I was really excited because I had worked out finally. I hurt my knee, so it's been a month since I got to play volleyball. I played volleyball really hard. I had a really tight dinner, like pretty much sashimi and salad with a little bit of rice. I got up in the morning. I stood on the scale, and I was two pounds heavier, right? That's discouraging. And I think we can get really discouraged in how we build out our spiritual habits as well. Man, I spent a whole day at church. I still feel distant. I opened my Bible for a week, but I still feel like he's not speaking to me. Do the same thing every day. Push through. Build a habit. Because if every day I'm able to work out and cut calories, if every day I'm eating healthy, the fruit will come. Right? I will be able to appease my doctor's um, evaluation of my weight. If every day we're waking up and being with Jesus, um, the fruit will come. I also think about how habits are hard to break and hard to create. I made that little rhyme, by the way. Um, and um, when we're creating this new habit, man, so, I'm so proud of us, by the way. A bunch of us jumped on the Bible app. Let me see if I can pull that out. Pull that up. Um, and we did the Bible plan. Oh, it's broken. Okay. Go, going backward. So a bunch of us... Um, a bunch of us are on the Bible app together. And I've heard, oh, man, I, I missed a few days. Or I dropped off last week. That's okay. Just take another step towards Jesus today. Get, just get back in, right? Like if I, if I break my intermittent fasting, I'm not, it doesn't help me to be all like uh, to give up. I could just start it again the next day. In the same way, I look at my Bible app and, oh, I missed seven days in Proverbs. That's okay. I can try to make, create rhythm today. I can, I can make a decision today to step towards Jesus. And lastly, schedule out your time with the Lord. If, he, if we're reordering our, our time to be with Jesus, how does he fit in our schedule? And how are we protecting it? And do we know what we're doing, right? The first thing we're doing is we're saying, I just want to spend time with you because I love you. I want to love you more today. And I'm going to do that by um, reading your word, by sitting in front of you. By having elongated conversation, 
I'm to have you drip into all the other moments that when instead of going straight to my social media, I'm going to read Proverbs again. Instead of listening to music in the car, I'm going to sing to you. I'm going to hear your voice. How are we allowing our schedule to re, be reordered so that Jesus is the first thing in our life? You know, I, I went um, into like a two-year, um, um, I don't want to call it depression, but I would, I would preach on Sunday and I would feel like totally floored emotionally. After I preached, I felt like I was stepping off the stage and I was just, just dropping off a cliff emotionally. I didn't know why. I didn't know how far I would drop. Sometimes I felt like I was in depression and despair. Sometimes I would just be a little sad. But every Monday, I'm just trying to drag myself out. And I didn't know why. I would talk to all these pastors, ask for prayer, talk to mentors. But it was so frustrating that I, I, at times I was like, maybe I sh I'm not created to preach. Maybe I need to step away from ministry because I don't want to be depressed every Sunday afternoon. Feel completely depleted. It's like a dementor sucking on my soul. Remember that from Harry Potter 2001, right? It's like I just felt like I was totally empty every time I preached. And then God showed me that I was digging a ditch in order to build a mountain. I wanted to preach off of this spiritual mountaintop. I wanted to preach out of a spiritual place that I was not. I wanted to bear fruit that, my, that my, my, my branch could not sustain. I wasn't remaining enough in Jesus to preach up here. And so I was digging this whole spiritual and emotional pit in order to build a mountain to preach and I would fall into it. And Jesus is saying, just remain. It's not about you being super spiritual for an hour a week. It's about just you loving me every day and then walking on the stage and preaching out of that. Wherever you're at, just, just preach out of that. And brothers and sisters, I hope that, that you wouldn't work, do ministry, um, go beyond where your connection with Jesus is. I've seen so many people burn out, get angry. Um, I've seen so many talented people serve alongside of me. And they're, doing, they're exercising all these different gifts. But they're actually doing damage to the church because they're damaged. They're not remaining in, in Jesus. And so they're working out of fatigue and anger. Even though on the outside it looks like they're blessing the church. In the inside it looks hollow. And I've felt like that before too. And I've seen other people come to our church and they, they don't join a ministry for two years. But who they are, their health, their connection with the Lord is, is the greatest gift into the community. And I see them care for people that no one else sees. I see them speak tenderly and, and pray over our community. I see the way that their presence um, anchors the people around them. It's not what you do that blesses your family or this community. It's, it's who you're becoming because you're connected to Jesus. How are we remaining? And how is that a priority every day?
So as we break off into small groups, um, I wanted to close us out with this question. How have you remained in Jesus this week? How have you started to reorder your life around him? And what, what's the outcome of that? How do you want to remain in Jesus this week? Can we take communion as we close our time together? Father, we're so grateful for how you reach out to hold us, to love us, and to connect with us. It's crazy that the God of the universe wants to be with us, wants to spend time with us, and desires our, us to love him. I pray that this week you would teach us how to do that, Lord. That we would meet your love with ours. You died for us. You bled out for us. Your body was broken for us. I, and and we, we can't just give you a little piece of our life. I just think about me and Nina, like if I said, hey, would you marry me? And, you're, and she's like, I just want to be friends. Like it doesn't work. The relationship doesn't work. You died for us, God. And the only response we can give you that work, works is our life back. Father, would we present our life to you again this morning as we think about your body broken for us and your blood shed. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, this is Pastor Wilson again. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If our sermons have been a blessing to you, I'd love for you to consider supporting our church and ministry. As we approach the end of the year, we're asking our church family to consider investing into a special fund that support our interns and seminarians. Renew has a vision of investing in pastors for the next generation through our internship program. And your financial partnership can help set up a young pastor or missionary to faithfully serve the Lord for the next 30 to 40 years. I often dream about what Irwin or Kevin will do for the kingdom of God through their 30s, 40s, and 60s. Our goal is to raise $50,000 over the season. Would you consider joining us? You can give through PayPal or Venmo or by sending a check. All the information is on the description section of the podcast. Or you can visit our website. And your investment is tax deductible. Thank you so much for being a part of our church family. If you're ever in the Fullerton, California area, please drop by into our Sunday service. I'd love to meet you. God bless.